0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Christmas is an exciting time. We all have our traditions. We all have our stuff. And uh, as a movie buff myself, I'm all about the movies. And so I get the privilege today of preaching from a movie, one of my favorite Christmas movies. Let's play the clip. Let's recite the Code of the Elf, shall we? Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. But he's discovering who he really is. You're not an elf. No! Now, he's taking a journey to find the family he's never known. And nothing's going to stop him. Sorry! I think so. Christmas Graham. Dad! We should call security. Good idea. I like to whisper, too. This holiday season, he cannot stay here. can just throw him out in the snow. He loves the snow. He's told me 15 times. Get ready. Uh, I thought maybe we could make gingerbread houses and maybe even hold hands. For a tall tale. How are we going to get the star on top? Of elfish proportions. I got it. Will Ferrell. Okay people santa's coming to town Santa! oh my god i know him i know him so no. buddy the elf what's your favorite color for this town? Who's an Elf fan? Show of hands. Okay, thank you. My kind of people. Now, for you Elf fanatics, for you Christmas movie buffs, those that watch Christmas movies all the time, multiple times on repeat like most people, um, you probably have watched this movie a ton of times. I know I have. I've probably got uh, 50 times under my belt in my life. I've watched this movie so much, and I, I actually learned something new about this movie this Christmas. It was an exciting revelation for me. Um, For those who have watched the movie, you probably recognize this elf. This is Ming Ming, okay? He is the elf who kind of like, you know, really kind of spills the beans of sorts to Buddy. But what I didn't know about Ming Ming is he's actually famous for being in another very famous Christmas film. Who knows what it is? Nobody, this is exciting, okay? You might recognize him a little bit more like this isn 't that crazy? doesn't it kind of make you feel old a little bit like i'm only twenty five makes me feel old, so sorry if I just uh burst your bubble, but that was like like flabbergasting. I was just like flabbergasted when I found out like holy buckets, Ralphie is an elf and he 's got both eyes he didn 't shoot him out. Yes, it's okay to laugh. Okay, there's a lots more dad corny jokes coming. I'm letting you know that right now. Okay, it's okay to laugh. I actually feel better when you laugh. Otherwise, it's like when I'm at home and I crack a joke, my wife doesn't laugh. Okay, it's no fun. My mind was blown when I found that out, and I can't just tell you that I love when I find out stuff about movies like that. I have a toddler, and toddlers love to watch the same movie over over and over and over and over and over to the point where you're standing in the kitchen away from the screen, you're quoting the movie subconsciously, you watch them over and over again. So then when you watch it, when you find these small little cues, these small little nuances of a movie, or like when you watch your favorite movie and you realize that this one scene was unscripted and it makes you... You have all the more appreciation for your favorite movie, those small little break in the expectation are awesome. Or like when you bite into a donut and you're expecting it to be great and then you bite into this liquid that's like custard or fruit or other nasty stuff, like, it's no fun, okay? And if you like filling donuts, like, I'll pray for you because something is wrong, okay? Filled donuts are not good. I'm going to get booed off this stage, get... It's not going to be tomatoes, it's going to be cream-filled donuts coming at me, okay? like cream filled donuts but here's are a few things I've learned about life Okay, there are a few things in life that are like very crucial to us but can also like kill us which is just a really weird phenomenon like think about fire for a second Okay, fire gives warmth without warmth we die we know that as Minnesotans Okay, we need fire but then at the same time you see things like forest fires and uncontrolled fires that claim homes and claim lives and it's crazy and then you have water we're supposed to drink water all of the time, okay? Not just like water in your Dr. Pepper or like water in your tea, but like water, water. Water is good for you. We need water to survive. But also, for anyone who's had a flood in their house or has experienced a tsunami or a hurricane, you know that water can be very harmful. I'll give you another example. Bacteria, okay? Here's something gross for you on this Sunday morning. You have bacteria all over you. You have bacteria inside you. Of you, and it's good bacteria most of the time until you realize that you have a bacterial infection, you got pus coming out of your eyes, and it's all nasty. You're welcome. There's an image for you. (laughs) Jelly filled donuts looking all yummy now. There are a few things in life that are very crucial and instrumental to the success and well-being of our life, but those very same things can also derail us and destroy us. And this morning, I'm here to tell you that I believe that expectations are the exact same way. Expectations of ourselves, of our lives, of our performance, our demeanor, our behavior, and our personality, really are what run our life, our expectations. We have expectations that keep us on track. Think of your employer, for example. Your employer expects you to show up on time and ready to work. Those who manage a place where they work with teenagers, you understand that expectation and sometimes that expectation is get met. Okay? As an employer, they expect you to work diligently and complete your tasks. They expect you to be civil, mature, and most of the time under good morals. Your family, they expect you to take care of each other. They expect Your spouse expects you to love and honor one another. Your kids expect you to make food, provide for them, forget to tell them to do their homework, and they expect you to understand that they know it all. (laughs) We expect, I think, the most out of ourselves, though. Our expectations of ourselves, how we should look, how we should think and act every second of every day, of every situation... We expect things of ourselves of how we should handle situations, how we should handle conundrums and dilemmas. We have expectations of how we really should live our life all of the time. And expectations really are the bumpers by which we judge our life. Really, right, Like we have expectations of ourselves and when we're meeting all those expectations, we know that we're doing a good job. We understand that we're doing the task that we set out to do. But at the same time, when those expectations go unchecked or unmet or they grow or they do things that we can't possibly maintain, those same expectations that motivate us and drive us to be the best person, the best spouse, the best mother, the best father, the best person in our lives, when those expectations go unchecked unmet and they grow out of control we feel like we must be failing because we're not meeting those expectations and when we're failing we must assume that then we are failures and if we're failures then we're going to continue to fail so the very thing that used to drive our lives the very thing that used to make us operate and make our lives go around are the very things that are causing us to be paralyzed they're the very things that are causing us to be discouraged and defeated, just like Buddy in this clip. I hate to do this to you, but you think you can help me pick up the slack on those edge sketches No problem. I appreciate it. Buddy's killing me. I only got Lum Lum and Choo Choo pulling doubles. Just quick thinking yesterday with that special talents thing. I feel bad for the guy. Just hope he doesn't get wise. Well, if he hasn't figured out he's a human by now... I don't think he ever will. He hasn't figured out it's a human by now. I don't think he ever will. I think they're too small. I just I just need a glass of water. Ah! I hate to do this to you, but I think you can help me pick up the slack on those edges. You guys can kill that. Now nope. it's repeating. Buddy his whole life up to this point has just assumed he was an elf. That was his expectation, that I am an elf. I live at the North Pole. I am always here at the North Pole. Just like everybody else around me, I am an elf. Okay? And so he slept in those tiny beds. He took a shower in that tiny shower. He destroyed everybody on the basketball court, which wouldn't be all bad. He had that expectation that he was who he was. And so then, when he is going and, and not performing and not making toys as fast as all the other elves, he feels like he's not meeting that expectation. He feels like he's not living up to being an elf. And so he's already feeling discouraged and defeated. But then to find out that his entire life up to this point had been a lie, that who he was really wasn't who he was, that expectation of being an elf just disintegrated right before his eyes. And you can see that it literally was so overwhelming to the point... That it crushed him, that he fainted and crushed another little elf, okay? And I've learned something in our life, right? The level of discontent we feel in our life Is the distance between what our expectation is And what our reality is Okay, So when your expectations don't meet your reality When you're in the middle between those two things You feel discontent You feel discouraged You feel like you're not living what you want to be I want and expect to be married by now But I'm not And so therefore I'm discontent I want to make this much money By this time of my life But yet I'm still stuck in this job Making this wage I want to have kids That's been a dream of mine I expected by age 30 I would have kids But at 31 I'm still not even pregnant And that discontent starts to grow As the weight and the distance Between your expectation and your reality grows And the bigger and the farther Those two things get apart The more discouraged you get The more defeated you get The more just paralyzed you get Because you start to understand That my expectations are getting farther and farther From being a reality The farther they get away, the more we get discouraged because the more we feel like our expectations will never become reality. And that is a tough thing to swallow. And it can stop us... But the same thing happens in our walk with God, right? I expect that God should answer my prayer by now, but he's still not answering it. So is God even real? I expected that God would answer my prayer directly, that you would answer it like this, but he gave me this, and I don't want that. That's not what I prayed for. That's not what I expected. I expected this, but I got this. And so we start to doubt God. We start to believe, why would God do that? Is God even real? Like, like is God so good? Because this sure doesn't seem like it, and I found that in first King 's chapter eighteen the same narrative arises. In First Kings chapter 18 in the Bible, we find that the nation of Israel is in a drought for three years. Three years without rain, which means three years without water. And now we're not just talking about droughts like we experience here in Minnesota or whatever. We're not just talking like my grass isn't green anymore and now it's all crunchy. We're not talking just like my kid's pool is, is dry and they're driving me nuts and I want to drive my head through a window. We're not just talking like inconvenient Okay, this is before irrigation, underground pipelines. Three years of water in Israel is bad news. Like we're talking dire straits. Like we're talking people are dying. And now I, I've been to Israel. I know Pastor Bob's been to Israel. It gets hot there, y'all. Like it gets real, real, real hot, hot. Okay? There was one day I was there. It was like 110 degrees. And we're like just walking around on these camels. I'm like, I could just pray for negative 20 degrees right now. Because this would be amazing to just be 20 below. Because it gets hot and stinky and smelly. And then you have people dying because they can't have water. For three years. So in First Kings chapter 18, God says this. After a long time. And everyone's like, yeah, no doubt. In the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab the king, and I will send rain on the land. How about Elijah's like, yes, water, fantastic. But what was that about going to King Ahab? Because I don't know if you know God, but King Ahab wants to kill me. Like straight up kill me. He says, I want you to go to King Ahab, and I want you to tell him. So Elijah goes, he confronts King Ahab, it picks up in verse 41 here. Elijah said to Ahab the king, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed up to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. So Elijah believes that God's saying, there's going to be rain. This drought is going to be over. So he goes to the king out of faith that this rain will come. It's not raining yet. He says, King Ahab, it's going to rain. Prepare yourself. Eat, drink, whatever. Get ready because the rain is coming. And so as he says that, he goes up to Mount Carmel. Carmel to pray. And he bends down and he puts his face between his knees and he begins to pray. So he's on top of this mountain praying, looking over the Mediterranean Sea, and Elijah has a servant with him. He has his right hand man with him. So he starts to pray. He gets down on his knees. He's praying. He's praying, God, we're ready. Send the rain. Send the rain. And it says here in verse 43 that the servant looked over the Mediterranean Sea and he said, there is nothing there. So seven times, this is verse 43... Seven times, Elijah gets back down on his knees and prays. He prays, no clouds, no rains. So he goes, hey, go check check the Mediterranean. Are there clouds coming? No, Elijah. Okay. Gets down and prays again for the second time. God, please bring the rain. God, please get ready. God, we're ready for this. Please bring the rain. Servant, go check the sea. (laughs) Nothing. So he goes back the third time. God, please bring the rain. Go check. No! That's my son laughing at me. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. But I want us to just think for a second what this would be like. God told you the rain's coming. And so you get down on your knees and you're praying and he's not answering. I can begin to imagine like what is, what gives? God, this could be an awesome miracle for you to show that you are who you are. God, you told me that this was going to rain. Why is this not working? I can see Elijah just getting frustrated and upset that the rain's not coming. The doubts, the worries he had, wondering, did I just seal my fate? Did I just tell the king that rain's coming? The king that hates me and wants to kill me, and now it's not going to be followed through? I can just imagine all this bubbling below the surface. Because his expectation of God bringing the rain, his expectation that when I pray, rain's coming, is not reality. And I can begin to see that discontent and that frustration boiling in Elijah. And here's what's so cool. In verse 44, the seventh time, I can just imagine even Elijah just being down on his knees and going, God, just please bring the rain. Just so discouraged, so defeated. And on the seventh time, his servant goes over to the Mediterranean. I want you to catch this right here. The seventh time, the servant reported a cloud as small as the man's hand is rising from the sea. Now hold up. We're talking, we need rain here to end a drought. Imagine the frustration he would see when a cloud the size of a hand comes over the Mediterranean Sea. But again, Elijah in faith says, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Because the flood is coming. The rain is coming. So you better get on ahead of it before you get stuck in the mud. And meanwhile, as he's doing that, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. For three years, the drought had just been manifesting, had just been wrecking their life. It had been destroying them. And the reason that God waited so long is for two reasons. The first was that the nation of Israel at the time was worshipping a God known as Baal. And Baal was actually not a God at all. He was a little tiny thing that they worshipped. He was the God of fertility and he really wasn't a God at all. But the nation of Israel had continued to go to him to try and find answer to their prayers. To go and try and find answer to their problems. But after three years, the second reason God's showing is He wanted to show that He is who He says He is. That He can bring rain. He can bring the miraculous out of nothing. And that He alone can answer their prayers and their needs. And so in this story, we understand that God doesn't operate under expectations. He operates under promises. If Elijah was judging the overall outcome of this experience based on his expectation, it was a big old F. Because he expected that that God was going to just bring the rain, it was just going to be flood, and he'd be dancing up on on the mountain like, yeah, that's right, I brought the rain. But for seven times, he had to go back to his knees and pray. And this tiny cloud comes and manifests into something big. His expectations were not even close to what the reality was. Did the promise get met? Was the promise fulfilled? God said in verse 1 I am going to send the rain after three years. And the rain came and ended the drought. God fulfilled the promise. He didn't fulfill Elijah's expectations. And so I want us to understand that when we try to strap our expectations against the plans that God has for your life and for my life, when we try and take our own expectations of what we expect God to do, what we expect of ourselves, we expect our life to look like, what we expect our kids to turn out like, what we expect our job to be like, what we expect every second of every day to be like, when we put that up against the plans of God, they don't always match. And I'm here to tell you that it's not the promise of God that's flawed, it's our expectations. And if we understand that, we can start to find freedom in his life. When we get discouraged, when things don't go according to plan, we can get discouraged, just like Buddy in this clip. Michael, where are you go? Michael. Santa, back off, slick. Get kind of the deer, buddy. Is that you? Are you okay? Boy, am I glad to see you. The clausometer suddenly just dropped down to zero. There's just no Christmas spirit anymore. The the strain was too much. The engine broke free of a mounts. I need an elf's help. I'm not an elf, Sam. I... I I can't do anything right. Buddy, you're more of an elf than anyone I ever met. And the only one who I would want working on my sleigh tonight. Really? Really? Will you fix it for me, buddy? I'll try. Papa taught me how. You gotta find it first. It dropped out the sleigh back over there a ways. The, The engine. The engine. Go, buddy. Go, Mr. Elf. When Buddy's on the bridge, he's feeling, he's feeling like he's in a really stuck spot. Because his whole life he's expected to be an elf and he's not. So he knows he's supposed to be a human. And his human dad's back in New York, but he gets to New York and his dad wants nothing to do with him. thinks he's a wacko. He's a weirdo. And so Buddy is stuck in this middle of going, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. And he's feeling like, what is even life right now? I don't understand because my expectations of my life are not being met. And he feels all of this, this crazy stuff. And in the clip you see Buddy come to life when Santa says, I need an elf's help. Buddy, you're more of an elf than anyone I've met. See, our expectations in our life, the expectations we have for ourselves, the expectations we have for our spouse or for our family, any expectation in our life at all is going to always be changing. Always. Always, always, always. But there's one thing in our life that is not, and it's our identity. Who we are, who we're created to be, it will always be the same regardless of our expectations. Whether our expectations are getting met or being unmet, whether our expectations are better, lower, or whatever than we expected, our identity is never changing. What do I mean by identity? I literally mean who you are who you are, who God created you to be with all of your imperfections, all of your, your quirks, if you will, you are who you're supposed to be. And there is freedom in that. That is exactly how God created you to be. When Elijah kept praying, he did it because he knew that God had said, what he was going to do. That Elijah knew that God is a good God who follows through on promises. Elijah knew that he himself was a man that God had chosen for this task. Elijah understood that even though this doesn't make sense, that I'm going to trust God because he told me he would and I've seen him do it before. And so he started to understand that if God has chosen me to do this, that if God has called me to do this, that it's going to work. Because God's identity, who he's created me to be, will never change. And that is why he kept going back to his knees and kept praying. Because even when all of those doubts, when all of those worries, when all of those fears and all of those things that were telling him to stop praying, it's not working, all of those reasons to not keep pushing, to not keep trusting, when all of those reasons kept flowing and rushing through his brain, Elijah trusted his identity. He trusted that he was a son of God that was called by God to fulfill what God wanted to do and when you trust that God will do what he said he was going to do when you trust that the things that he called apart, the, the things that he called in your life to come to existence when you trust that with your life you'll see it fulfilled because God doesn't make a promise he can't keep so when reality doesn't meet your expectations I want you to keep going, keep pursuing keep trusting because your identity will never fail